It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It's a big year for Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons in a wide-open NFC South with Desmond Ritter set to take over at quarterback and a very busy offseason. What does this roster look like? We're breaking that down today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making Locked On NFL Scouting your first listen every day. And of course, the biggest of welcomes to our everydayers. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. Joe, happy Thursday, May 18th, National May 18th Day. Wow, thank you. To you here. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. Atlanta Falcons, our subject today. We did the deep dive. We obviously have Desmond Ritter as a a key storyline for this Falcons team and in what should be a very competitive NFC South with the departure of Tom Brady from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and all of these teams kind of feeling like they're in flux. Uh, very interesting layers to this Falcons team that, that we're going to start peeling back. And I don't have any cute BS on the front today. Do you have any cute BS on the front? Or are we going to dive right into the Falcons offense no, I, and, and I, talk about what we saw with this football team? You know, no, I think we dive in. I don't see any no diving signs here. So let's get to it. Okay. Wow. Wow. That was Chill bad. With the dad jokes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Uh, the offensive side of the football yep. for Atlanta. I'm just going to roll right through the red light that you tried to lay there at the end. Um, no stop signs here. <laughs> the Falcons roster to to me is a very interesting case study because, of course, you have the last three first-round selections that have been invested by this team are in a wide receiver, a tight end, and a running back in Bijan Robinson and uh, Kyle Pitts and Drake London, and I think that's probably the place that I would like to to start this conversation just because those are defining pieces of what Atlanta is going to be this season in my mind. Uh, there's varying degrees of proven NFL track records. Obviously, B. John Robinson hasn't taken a snap yet. Uh, Kyle Pitts with the 1,000 yards his rookie season before the regression last year and dealing with some injuries and Drake London kind of dealing with this underperforming passing offense. Still really the only viable outside threat and weapon in my mind that exists in this Falcons offense, but showed really good toughness over the middle, ability to catch in traffic, physicality. All the things that you expected you were going to get with Drake London when you watched him at USC were the things that he flashed. So what's the ceiling with this trio in your mind? Because that, to me, is going to, go a long way in defining what the ceiling of this team is. 
Well, that's clearly who this offense is running through, those three players. And right. I mean, they're dynamic. That's that's what's exciting. I mean, obviously, we've never seen Bijan play in the NFL, but I have very little concern about his ability to come in and be a focal point of the offense and really elevate this rushing offense and what he can bring as a receiver. I mean, that's huge. And, you know, Kyle Pitts, I mean, just like with Drake London, like those guys dealt with some bad quarterback play, right? Like Mar- Mariota was tough to watch last year. And I, it's, I, I think it's, impressive how London was still able to produce given that. And, you know, I think they just couldn't figure it out with Kyle Pitts, but we saw what Kyle Pitts can do two years ago. And so that trio, I mean, that's, that's a lot of matchup problems for a defense. And I kind of like the idea of how you can sprinkle in some of these ancillary components like Cordero Patterson, like Tyler Algier, like John Smith, who we know Arthur Smith has a clue what to do with, right? He's, he's a different type of tight end, but I think you can not, think I, I we know that Arthur Smith can get production out of him I wish they had another receiver right like one more guy that maybe brought something different to the table a, a more uh, shifty separation guy someone that can uncover quickly you know can play inside and outside I wish that was part of this mix um, but with a team that I think the identity is going to be running the football getting the backs going in the passing game uh, utilizing your your twin towers in London and Pitts you know it's it's an intriguing group and um, one that I think meshes well with the style of offense that we know Arthur Smith wants to run. And then not for nothing, but the other outside receivers, Matt Collins, who's started as a height, weight, speed, vertical guy in Philadelphia, core special teams player, had some success in Miami, went to the Raiders last year, ended up being the wide receiver two there. He's he's really filled out his receiving resume, but I, I bring him up not for what I think his ceiling is as a player, and we do, for those of you who are on YouTube, we do have the depth chart that we're going to drop on you guys uh, at the very beginning of segment three, but more so for the body type and profile and what he's capable of doing as a blocker in the run game. And, and you think about the size and catch radius of... Pitts and London and Mac Collins like he's he's worth including in this conversation because it's all the same kind of player um I think he's a valuable peripheral complimentary piece like you mentioned would you like to go offensive line or would you like to go Desmond Ritter next I'd like to go offensive line with one final comment here on these weapons great Scotty Miller is kind of like an important player for this team. I, I think him, he's the one guy that can be that quick separator from the slot that hasn't really been that with any level of consistency. But if he can, right, I think that would mean a lot for this offense. But Kyle, I like this offensive line. I really do, man. We got a couple of, of franchise cornerstones here in Jake Matthews and Chris Lindstrom. I was excited to take the deep dive with this football team in particular to watch Chris Lindstrom, right? Because we know he got paid gobs of money, and I wanted to see it, right? And I understand completely why he got paid gobs of money. This dude is a dominant guard and uh, an absolute pillar of this unit up front. And then Jake Matthews, I mean, dude, how could you not have anything but admiration for this man's career? 144 consecutive starts at left tackle. He's missed one game in his entire career. And I, I think he's been unbelievably consistent, like year over year, regardless of what's going on with who's playing left guard or what, you know, what type of uh, supporting cast exists. This guy comes in every single year and performs at a high, high level. And um, just 
a lot of admiration for his career, especially after studying him. But yeah, I think you got some nice developmental pieces. Like, I mean, Drew Dahlman, I think, looks solid to me last year at center. Caleb uh, McGarry certainly played his best football last year. And then it's just about this left guard spot where they took Matthew Bergeron. It could be Matt Hennessy as well. That, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I, I think that's a fun camp battle to be mindful of. But I like this mix. I, I think that it's a, a good group in front of Desmond Ritter. Yeah, I, I think the growth that Caleb McGarry showed, the growth that Chris Lindstrom showed, Jake Matthews being Jake Matthews in year two of the system really creates the enthusiasm for what year three is going to look like, plus Matthew Bergeron, who, for my money, is going to be hard to keep out of the lineup. Man, right. Obviously, we have to, we have to talk about Drew Dahlman, and we have to talk about Matt Hennessy, but uh, I think Hennessy has some guard center flex that, were, that you can maybe work a different combination of five to get the right combination of five guys in there in the lineup, but um, Bergeron's going to be a hard guy to keep out, and that athleticism along with Jake Matthews, along with McGarry, along with Lindstrom. It's it's a perfect stylistic fit for what Arthur Smith wants to do. And uh, I was really taken aback by just how well that line played in stretches last year, particularly in run blocking and, and executing that Arthur Smith zone rushing system and helping the backs get the perimeter and creating a lot of big lanes. And they had some chunk plays uh, that were brought back because of penalties. They had, Algier had like a 50-yard run against Arizona, I think, that was yeah. brought back on a holding penalty that was uh, kind of a ticky-tack hold, I thought. But it was just – even if it was, you want to call it a legit penalty, the execution of the other guys on the line that created this massive void for Algier to run through, they were, I think, even better than the numbers would tell you, and that's pretty crazy because of how good the rushing numbers were for the Falcons last year. Case in point, Algier being as productive as he was. Thousand yard back, right? I don't even, I'm not even sure he had good vision. <laughs> he did not. He did I not. I mean, he was, he was getting it going. I, it was funny. I was watching the Baltimore game and I'm like, man, I think Tyler Algier would be really good for Baltimore, but uh, <laughs> I'm not sure he's, this is the best fit for him uh, in that more gap, gap Wait, predetermined I, tracks. I'm glad you mentioned that because anybody who tried to argue against Bijan Robinson and pointed to Tyler Algier as the reason why. I'm all the way out on y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's good productive back, right? It's a testament to the rushing system. It's a testament to his size and size adjusted speed that he does have. But when he's pressing the corner and you got a clear as day edge, and I'm thinking about cutting this thing back inside anyway, he just doesn't have the explosiveness to catch the corner. Bijan Robinson's going to eat yeah. in this offense. Yeah. And I I have a take I would like to drop on you right now Ooh. before we talk about Desmond Ritter. Okay. I think if you took the three first-round picks of the last three years, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and Bijan Robinson, Bijan Robinson will be the best player of those three players this year. Ooh. This, okay, that, I was wondering what, where you were getting because he's the, definitely the best prospect of them all. No, he's he's going to be the most effective player of the three this year. Yeah, I think that's pretty comfortable. I think it's so it's such an a, everything translates so easily there. A proven coach with running the football, a good old line, an unbelievable talent, and I mean they could they ran the ball decently last year with like nothing scary in the passing game. Like he he's gonna <laughs> run for 
What, what would you set a lot? A lot of, of yards. He's going to run for a lot of yards. A lot of yards. We won't do a schedule prediction because we know sometimes <laughs> the, the fans don't like what you end yeah. up coming back with with a raw number. But well, Kyle, we had four starts from Desmond Ritter. Did you learn we, anything? We did. Did, did you learn anything? Uh, I I thought so. I thought okay. I did. What's uh, your big thought here? We, we don't. The training wheels were on. Was my thought. Right. That's what uh, made it hard to learn a whole lot. Working through progressions was labored. It was slow. But you understand, he's coming from Cincinnati. It's a big-time adjustment. But progression-style passing was not his strength. Um, I thought they ran some half-field reads to try to cut down on that time of getting through progressions. I don't think it necessarily helped him. You'd have liked to have seen. I thought he did some nice things with his legs to extend plays and then get outside the pocket and, and get some yards. I wish in instances where he got flushed out of the pocket, if you're running a half-field read, you would run to the side of the field if you had the choice that has all your receivers to it instead of running to the side of the field where you release nobody out into protection against zone coverage, and then you got to try to outrun a cover-two shell with a clouded corner, and you just, you're just you going to have nowhere to go, right? So on extended plays... Have awareness of where your outlets are and try and put yourself in position to get the ball to them. From a progression-style passing, I'm looking for growth in that regard. I thought this offense showed good cognitive awareness of what Desmond Ritter was. There were a lot of schemed throws, a lot of quick throws to the perimeter, uh, screens, things to try to just facilitate getting the ball in space quickly that did not ask Desmond Ritter to do a lot of drop-back passing. But if that's what you're going to look like this year, you're going to have an uphill battle passing the football and winning games in which you're not able to dictate terms on line of scrimmage. Yeah, so that was that, my Desmond Ritter observations. No, I'm very much aligned with your takeaways there. And and I, I get nervous if this team really has to rely on Ritter right? Uh, based on the sample size. I think the most encouraging thing is that the last two starts were better than the first two starts. Um, I, there's a big quality of a, a competition <laughs> layer to that as well. I mean, going from... New Orleans and Baltimore on the road to Arizona and Tampa Bay in week 17 and 18 at home, right? That was a, a better situation for him, but he, he was more comfortable, but yeah, it was hard to like really feel good about him going into the next season just because he wasn't asked to do a ton. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's still fascinating to me that this team has the opportunity that it does. And, you know, I mean, in some light, you can look at this as a really important for year and for Arthur Smith and his, tenure with the Falcons and and this it's it's Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke at quarterback it's not unlike the conversation we had about Washington where it's like really I mean everything's on the line here and you're it's Sam Howell and and uh Jacoby Brissett you know it's like all right y'all do you but I would have tried to do have done something more meaningful at quarterback this offseason other than all right uh come on down Taylor Heineke so I guess for Atlanta, and obviously we, we got to go over to the defensive side of the ball, but I, I think that this was the team that was most interesting that showed no interest in getting involved in the Lamar Jackson market. Right. And not not to beat a dead horse or, or bemoan that point all over again. Obviously the focus of this show is what the Falcons have. But the four-game sample size, obviously they, Ritter practiced all year at the facility, right? The coaches have a much larger sample size than we do as the public yep. eye of, of what he's capable of. But the opportunity cost there may have been a deterrent where, where you're talking about a big-time investment in, in 
draft capital and finances and, and implications of that to bring him in. But this would have felt like the perfect team to get involved and at least start a negotiation when he was under the the uh, transition tag. So a little little surprised yeah. that they they were so forcibly and vocally against having any interest, which they were. Yeah, I, I think you just look at the 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 pendulum here. Okay, the team right now wide open NFC South. The team's got a real good chance. You have Lamar Jackson. You're an NFC contender that I expect to win the South, right? I think that's that's the difference right. there. And I'd be in, I'm interested in that. But um, here we are. All right, we're shifting gears to the defensive side of the football here in just a moment. But first, I need to tell you about the best-tasting protein bar on the planet. Of course, you know I just ate one, a built Bar here, I, another animal cookie uh, bar. We're still rolling through those. My uh, my birthday cake puffs arrived yesterday, so we, we were enjoying them as well. But look, folks, you got to try them. They're awesome. They're healthy. They're delicious. They're delicious because they're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they have great flavors like we just talked about, uh, in addition to like churro and peanut butter puff and – uh, coconut almond they're so good it's like eating a candy bar but they're good for you but it's crazy these macros man like 17 grams of protein only five grams of sugar 140 calories per bar uh they are awesome so check them out head on over to built.com you can use our promo code lockdown 15 it'll get you 15 percent off your next order you can also head on over to your local walmart or sam's club and pick up a box off the shelf we talk about them because we love them and uh, i think you will too and if you try them i think you're gonna Just find yourself thanking us later for that decision. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Defensively, for the Atlanta Falcons, we have a lot of new faces. Yeah, needed that I think that's the first thing that that popped to me was just how many projected starters we have that weren't with this squad last year. They needed it, man. An infusion of talent to like every level of the field, every position got something it felt like here. And not only got something, like got better. No question. Notably better. Yes. With bringing in, say what you will about the – ups and downs and the variance of Jeff Akuda. Okay, that's fine. You you still got Jesse Bates at free safety in your secondary. You're definitively better regardless of, of how Jeff Akuda ends up playing. Second level, Caden Ellis, really good ad. Low-key, really good ad. Yeah, he popped big time late last year for New Orleans. Mm-hmm. They just and couldn't keep him. Front, I'm sure they'd have loved to keep him, but they couldn't. Salary cap's not real, though, Joe. Right. Well, think about that. Like This dude's a seventh-round pick. They have like higher picks that this guy was on the field over. Right. I mean, he earned it. He played at a level that forced him to, to play over. And it, and Atlanta's going to need it too. Oh, yeah. because if, if, it, if it's not Caden Ellis, you have a lot of inexperience right. and a high variance play at off ball linebacker. Yeah. Uh, and then up front, you obviously have David Onyemeta and you have Calais Campbell. You got better on all three phases. I think that's the thing that, that Falcons fans should be most excited about is defensively looking at what your squad has to offer versus what it did last year. The floor is much higher yeah. from a talent perspective defensively. 
should be able to get some sacks this year, right, Kyle? You would think. <laughs> the the now I I still don't love the edge group. Ebicady popped a good bit. Yeah, that was the name for me. I'm like, oh, who's 47? Oh, yeah. it's Ebicady. Oh, it's Ebicady. Yeah, and there he is screaming off the edge, yeah, hitting dude. inside spin moves, working back underneath. That's the edge guy that I get excited about here. Yeah. Um, and then you, I mean, but like the rest of it is not necessarily as pro- like proven, but there's names here. I mean, Lorenzo Carter has played a lot of football. I think like him not playing as many snaps is probably a good thing for him and the defense. You know, they have D'Angelo Malone, who they drafted as well as Ebiketti last year. Round. Yeah, Zach Harrison it was a pick this year. They signed Bud Dupree. I, I'm not sure you can count on much there, but, you know, he's a, a guy that plays with a lot of effort and has a lot of speed off the edge, you know, at least before the injuries kind of caught up with him. And your interior package now with Anya Meta and Jarrett to go with Calais Campbell, like you got some stuff working yeah. here. Yeah. And even like – some of their their depth here in Eddie Goldman and Taquan Graham as kind of like a, a plugged, you know, nose A-gap defenders, man. I, I like those guys in that type of role. You know, Eddie Goldman, obviously, we haven't seen him do really anything since 2021. But if he can come in and, and just be a 20% of the time guy, he can really provide some value in, in, a, in a division now that we feel like everybody's going to be leaning into running the football based on the quarterback situations. Yeah, other than New Orleans with – with Carr coming in, they'll probably look but to pass them. the ball. But yeah, I I I really like the the defensive. It, it's been four or five years now of Grady Jarrett and nobody else that you really feel like right. gives him a chance. Grady Jarrett's got to be over the moon because yeah. he's been an impactful player the last that that entire stretch, and now he's actually got dudes around him. And yep. like definitive dudes around him with Calais Campbell when he reduces inside and David Onyemata and a nose tackle and Eddie Goldman, uh, hoping he can return to what his peak form was when he kind of flashed with Chicago. I like the front. I I think it's the probably the most appealing thing about Atlanta's defense for me. If I had to go to both sides of the ball, I would say that the trenches is is where Atlanta's best aligned. Which is huge, right? Because that's been yeah. a criticism that we've had towards Atlanta. It's like, oh, y'all are just getting beat up, you know, up front, both sides yep. of the ball. I am, you know, writing mock drafts. If you didn't give Atlanta a trench player, they, you know, they were going right. to yell at you for sure. Um, and like, we're sitting here today telling you we feel pretty good about these trenches. And so that should make Falcons fans feel good as well. Um, we, we talked a little bit about the defensive backfield, Kyle. Um, you know, obviously AJ Terrell, a budding star at, at corner and they traded for Jeff Akuda and signed Jesse Bates and Richie Grant really kind of came on last year as a safety, but there's some like developing young DBs that I kind of like for this football team and Darren Hall, um, in D Alford, uh, Clark Phillips, who they just drafted Jalen Hawkins. Like there's, there's some developing depth here that I think is really, really appealing to go with, you know, some guys that you feel comfortable with as starters. Well, and the more versatile those guys end up being, I, I think the more it helps Richie Grant, who felt like dude lined up here, there, and everywhere last year. Yeah. Well, and see, you're looking up and you see 27 and it's, he's in the backfield or he's in coverage or he's in deep third or he's flying sideline to sideline off the second level. Like they, they moved him around quite a bit. And, and I think his, his versatility 
is only going to be fully maximized when you have competency in the other spots around him to allow the defense to. There were too many instances in which they they were bringing Richie Grant from depth in pressure situations, and it was just pitch and catch because you you didn't have the coverage on the back end to match it. So eight should help big time there. Yes. So I I agree with you that I think there's some appeal with the growth of what the young guys are able to do. Uh, I do think losing Isaiah Oliver hurts. Yeah, I was like impressed with that guy. Yes. Yeah, I know you texted me with the name, and I'm like, I'm going to hold that thought because I've had that name circled a couple times where I'm, I'm watching these games and I'm watching Isaiah Oliver break up passes. And I'm like, my guy looking pretty good, huh? Going to, he's going to be a starter for San Francisco. We'll, yes. we'll get to San Francisco at some point here, but I, I think that's like low-key, sneaky good signing of the offseason. Yeah, so that's a bummer to not bring him back, but – with what else you brought in and paying Jesse Bates and Mike Hughes trading for Jeff Okuda, which is a reasonable risk to take in in the last year of his rookie contract. They'll be okay on the back end, but Oliver was a fun, fun storyline from watching Atlanta play last year. Super fun. Let me ask you one more question here uh, on this defense. What what did you see from Troy Anderson? Who's he's going to start for them this year? Raw start became yeah raw, but he flies around. Super athletic profile, right? Um, <laughs> he needs every bit of it with some of the misreads, <laughs> man. Yeah, but that's to be expected. From he came from Montana, Montana State. Yeah, played like every position, like right, literally like quarterback, running back, tight end. Yeah. He was like the FCS Taysom Hill is what he was. Times two. And then he ends up playing defense and wins defensive player of the year. After being the offensive player of the year. After being the offensive player of the year. But one defensive player of the year twice playing two different positions. He was an outside linebacker and then an inside linebacker. And one defensive player of the year both times. Just, I think where you saw it, where you saw his peak was on the punt team. I don't know if you think that's fair. But to watch him on the punt team, and you could roll your eyes if you want, that's fine. Where you're in a protection, where you're in the protection front, and then you got to get down the field and you got to cover kicks and you got to flash reactively in space. And it's not about making reads, it's not about keying your guards, it's not about figuring out if it's run or pass. It's just use your athleticism to block, release, get downfield, find the football, and tackle the football. That was when it was like, yeah, man, like this is such a high ceiling player for the athletic gifts on how easy that looks for him. You're just going to have to have some patience. And I am a little worried about, you know, Caden Ellis is is somewhat of a hybrid type player too, Mm -hmm. right? So if these are your two peak off-ball linebackers, I think misdirection could test them a little bit. (laughs) A lot of bit. A lot of bit. <laughs> a lot of bit. Um, middle of the field targets in, in to tight ends and, and big bodied receivers in the middle of the field can be a challenge for this team. Um, so, I, again, I think that's where you go back to the versatility of, of Richie Grant and Jesse Bates, mm-hmm. and those guys are going to have to help to cover that, right? But yeah. I think that's going to help really define – We'll talk about the diminished value of linebackers and all that, but those two guys in Caden Ellis, who played well down the stretch, and uh, Troy Anderson, who is so physically gifted but is so raw, what jump he makes in year two is going to determine 
some of the ceiling and the floor of the Falcons defense. Because I think I think on the front end, on the back end, there's a lot of competency. Uh, the second level is going to be the defining. It's going to tip the scales one way or the other in my mind. Yeah, and of course, bringing it all together, right? New defensive coordinator, a lot of new yeah. pieces, but I like their chances, man. In this division, I think they'll be pretty competitive. Yeah. All right, well, we got a few uh, disagreements to sort out here as we, we continue this conversation about the Atlanta Falcons. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Joe, do you want to stay on defense and just do my cues? Uh, yeah, so just for for those of you who oh, are let me, maybe... Let me pull up the... Yeah. Here's the... Uh... Maybe there's a Falcons fan that just tuned in today. We've been doing this for a bunch of teams, including some rivals, right? We've done the Carolina Panthers already. Um, but we're Kyle and I independently go through. We watch multiple games. We study the roster. We study the players. And we uh, put them in categorize, buckets. categorize, put them in buckets, uh, either roster cornerstone, quality starter, rookie starter, or excuse me, rookie, adequate starter, replacement level player, Quality depth, non-roster caliber, incomplete evaluation, and practice squad developmental player. That's the different buckets. And so uh, we have a consensus. If you're on the YouTube channel, I, I think you can see yes, um, you can. where we all agree and where there's there's no label. That's where Kyle and I were different, and we're going to sort that out right now. So we have five players. Four of them are on the offensive line. <laughs> okay. And then we have Mike Hughes. So let's let's start with Mike Hughes. Okay. Uh, I believe you had him as an adequate starter. That's right, I do. I had him as quality depth. And obviously, Mike Hughes is a former first-round pick. Maybe that's a little bit of bias creeping in on me. I, I just thought, you know, even though even as his play has stabilized, he has not been a high-floor player in coverage. I think he's been much better fitting the run, kind of serving in that nickel role. I agree that the nickel is where he is at his peak. But in coverage, trying to match up and run with guys and and lock on receivers, I just think that that's still too high variance or low return on investment to justify putting him as like, I want him to be my starter there. I I would ideally like Clark Phillips to win that job. Okay, I'm with you. Quality depth. That's it. You didn't even. I, I was ready for you to say he's on his fourth team in four years. You didn't even get to that. You're right. I didn't. I was expecting a fight. That's why. No, I thought you were, were going to go to bat on it. I was on the fence there. I was on the fence there. So. Okay, so we'll go ahead and classify him as quality depth, and I'll move to the offensive line. And, and where are you most passionate here? Okay, where am I most passionate? Let me. Hennessy, Drew Dahlman, Jalen Mayfield, and Caleb McGarry. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> Let's just start with Hennessy, uh, who was a third round pick, twenty twenty. Um, kind of spot duty in twenty twenty. I thought he was a really good starter in twenty twenty one, and Falcons were in my previous in, in my region of responsibility, so I gained an appreciation for him. And then last year, 
he only played in like th- two or three games and he came back kind of late in the season. So I think he was on that trajectory. I think they probably told us they're a little bit worried when they signed Matthew Bergeron or excuse me, drafted Matthew Bergeron and actually traded up for him, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I've seen enough to feel like he's at least a sufficient starter. But Do you think he's ideally a center or, or a guard? Center. He played left guard, though, last year, the, at least in the uh, Arizona and Tampa Bay game. Those are the two that I, that I right, watched. He got his butt kicked. I think so. I thought against Tampa, he got his butt kicked. Oh. So that that's where I came in and I said, I, this is a player with some starting experience. He has interior flex. He doesn't have a great anchor. He's a little undersized, but but if you're going to put him at center, like he can live in that world. But I don't know that the ceiling is where I would want it to be for him to be a starter. So I put him as quality depth. I'll uh, I'll give this one to you on the premise of they drafted Matthew Bergeron knowing who Matt Hennessy was. And knowing that he was potentially your, your starting fifth. left guard. Yeah. If you didn't do this, yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, so Drew Dolman is next. If we're just going to go left from right, this is the starting projected starting center for this team, unless Hennessy wins the job. Uh, fourth round rookie last year. Uh, no, 21. So this is, that 21, was the second excuse season. Me. Yeah. Excuse me. Would just like to get a little bit bigger sample size. Okay, so I, I have him as an adequate starter. You have incomplete? Yes. Now, he, he played over 1,000 snaps last year, right? Right. Uh, I, I mean, if you, if you go off of last year, I think you could say that he's an adequate starter. If you say oh, you want to see more before you put him in that bucket, I mean, I understand both sides here. I'll, I just I'll thought he was very stable. You you came up with came down to Hennessy. I'll come up with with Dalman and say, okay, you know, we have a thousand snaps of starting, and and the expectation is he's an incumbent. I think really? the 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 gap between him and Hennessy is not very large, though. In my mind, I think that's probably fair. But I, which I, I guess I, is I what, see them similarly, which is what makes it interesting that. You know, from from Hennessy's perspective, he was the starting center, and then they came back the following year and drafted Dalman anyway, and Dalman beat him out. Yeah, I I wondered if they if the thought was for one of them to well not one of them probably Hennessy to be a left guard, which probably takes you to the next player on the list who had played left guard at one stretch, that <laughs> being Jalen Mayfield. All right, what do I have him? I have him as I think you have an incomplete grade here. Yeah, so, okay, he was absolutely atrocious as a rookie starter and had no business starting, none. And they didn't play at all last year. So that's why I put him in as an incomplete evaluation. And I had a really hard time forgetting 2021. It's the brother, his pass pro was atrocious. Uh, but nine, nine penalties and double-digit sacks, sacks conceded, yeah. yeah. 57, 57 pressures. <laughs> he's, 20, he's 22. All right, this is his. He'll be his age twenty three season. Well, hold on, he'll he's gonna be twenty three in five days. That's what I just said. It'll be his age twenty three. Yeah, because <laughs> he is twenty two, and he's gonna okay. be his age twenty three okay. season. Okay, I'm not gonna fight you too hard on on the backup guard. 
What did you? Okay, I put him as incomplete, and you put him as. I, th- I had replacement level player. I just oh. thought the the floor was so low when he played. It's bad. He didn't play last year. Though. And they can. And and now they have continued to draft interior offensive linemen early in each of the draft classes since he has arrived. Like he was in the same class as Hennessy, and then they still drafted Dolman in the fourth round, and then they traded up and drafted Bergeron. It's not a good trajectory. Right. I, it's, I, not, it's not trending well for Jalen Mayfield. <laughs> it's not trending well. I just, I don't know, one season that was kind of a tough scene for him, like first year with a new system. He was kind of raw coming out. He was like a one-year starter at Michigan. Yeah, don't, at right don't, tackle. don't quit on guys too quick. I'm with you. We'll put in complete. It's not, not looking good, though. Caleb so, McGarry. All right, this one, I'm not going to fight hard here. You have him as a quality starter. This is I why have, I don't quit on guys. I have him as an adequate starter. And I think, like, you're clearly pointing to last year and saying he proved himself as a quality starter. And I would agree with you. I just – how much of, of the rest of the sample size are we wanting to be mindful of? Right. Well, I think year, year two in this system – this is the perfect scheme for Caleb McGarry. Right. I think he's an elite run blocker in this wide zone system. Correct. And probably an average pass blocker. Yes. I think that if you were to to put categories on each element there, and that's why I don't have him as a cornerstone, if he grows in pass pro and all of a sudden he starts being a, a stud in pass pro, he can be a cornerstone player. But right now, he has an elite component of his game and uh, an adequate level of his game. You combine those together, this is a, a plus starter in my mind. He was a plus starter last year. Yes. Okay, I'll do it. And even from a pass pro perspective, he cut his pressures in more than half last year. And Atlanta only threw the ball 117 less times. He went from 41 pressures to 19 pressures last year. I'll meet you. I'll come up on this one. Done. Because I'm not not debating anything that you're saying. It's just whether or not last year's sample size. And I think continuing with the system and the the fit, uh, it works. Right. I see no reason to think why. The progress shown last year will not be sustained unless he has to play through injuries. So there you have the Falcons. Uh, We have roster cornerstone players in Jake Matthews and Chris Lindstrom. We have quality starters with A.J. Terrell, Kyle Pitts, Caleb McGarry, Grady Jarrett, Jesse Bates, and Calais Campbell. Joe, this is a pretty healthy amount of quality starters. I think the Achilles heel, potential Achilles heels for these Falcon, this Falcons team is linebackers defensively and quarterback play offensively or wide receiver depth. Heaven help us if, if Drake London has to miss any time. Yeah, we can't have it. We can't have it. But I, I think it's also exciting to think about the guys that could be quality starters in a Drake London as we get a bigger sample size in a, in a B. John Robinson as two, two of your primary players, uh, your Correct. weapons on offense, right? Like, there's some there's upward mobility for Caden Ellis. There's upward mobility for Troy Anderson. Um, I think Richie Grant could potentially have oh, some yeah. upward mobility as well. No question. So that that's good. And we talked about some of their developing. Like they have developing depth in the defensive backfield, at edge, on the offensive line. I like that. Hey, I think the other potential Achilles heel for this team would be uh, the third tackle. Oh, gosh, yeah, we don't have one. If Matthews or 
Okay, so here's does is Bergeron your third tackle? Yes. Yes, I'm a million percent he's your third yeah. tackle. So if he wins the left guard job, then Hennessy goes to left guard and then you put Bergeron right. at left and guard. And then you tackle. put Bergeron at whichever spot you need yeah. to. And like that you could build a bridge that way, but the offensive line depth is not great here. They have seven roster seven rosterable offensive linemen plus no, that's it. That's it. And one of the seven is Jalen Mayfield, who was cataclysmic when he plays. Yeah, so we we cut Jermaine Effetti. <laughs> we have we have six and a half. <laughs> they can't incur injuries. They cannot afford the injuries. Joe, final question, and, and I think this is pretty straightforward. Are the Falcons a better roster right now oh, than they were twelve God. months ago? A billion percent. A billion Easy percent. Yes. Easy yes. Easy yeah. yes. So there you have it. That is the Atlanta Falcons roster assessment. I'm Kyle Krabs. He is Joe Marino. We are locked on NFL scouting. Appreciate you guys checking out the show. Hit subscribe. Follow along. We are doing quarterback situations for the class of 2022 tomorrow. So we're looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Atlanta Falcons, and the Commanders. Washington Commanders. Thank you. Uh, So you're not going to want to miss that. That's a very fun opportunity to measure each one of those situations versus uh, rookie and second and third year quarterback situations across the league over the last several seasons. It's a very fun exercise we've been doing for a few years now. So we are adding a new bunch to that big board of, of situations tomorrow. Shout out to the everydayers who keep it locked in on a daily basis with us here on Locked on NFL Scouting. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, we are out. Peace. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.